Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I'm sex educator and sexual communication coach, Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. Today, we're talking about people's favorite kind of touch. Going back through the answers from all the previous interviews, I was interested to hear how many people didn't understand the question when I asked it. Now, I'm definitely willing to entertain the idea that I didn't ask the question well, but I actually think it points to a bigger issue. We don't often think about the types of touch we receive with any specificity. For instance, you might think, I don't like it when my partner goes down on me. But have you thought about what they're doing that you don't like? Is it that their tongue pressure is too firm or too light? Is it that they move too quickly or too slowly? Is there too much saliva or not enough? Similarly, if you think, I love it when my partner touches my breasts, do you know specifically what you're responding to? If you were suddenly with a new partner, could you describe what about the touch you enjoy so they could do it too? Could you describe the places you like being touched? Because your breast is made up of lots of different planes, each of which may experience sensation differently. Could you describe the speed and pressure with which you enjoy being touched and the quality of the touch, like being playful or being aggressive, that turns you on? So let's jump into the answers from previous interviewees. As a reminder, these are taken from the extended lowdown Q&A, all of which you'll find for free at patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. And I'll be back with my own answers in a few minutes. I tend to like when I'm getting start getting turned on, I like gentle touch and saw like kind of the fingertips, kind of light touch. I'm not into pain at all, but when I get more excited, I tend to want more vigorous touch. I love massage. Love, 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 love. Did I mention love? <laughs> love massage. Gentle touch, usually. Although I, I recognize that in my relationship with my partner, I am the strong one in our relationship, and he's the sort of soft-spoken, gentle person in our relationship. And in bed, I really like to reverse those roles. So that's not mm. necessarily touch, but sometimes, like, I want him to be more firm with me than he would normally be during sex, during the build-up phase of sex you know, up through orgasm, 
I love to be grabbed and held tightly. I love that passionate, energetic, uh, enthusiastic touch. Um, but then afterwards, I love being held and being caressed. I just like things being in my vagina. So <laughs> I just, again, whether it's fingers, tongues, penises, that's what I prefer. Like, just go right there. Take me and do it. <laughs> I'm one of these people who's like hyper productive. Mm-hmm. So I think I, you know, it's not that I want to get it over with for sure. Um, but I just, you know, just don't, let's not waste any time. Let's just go for it. Soft, sensual touch. I don't like the hard physical stuff. <laughs> yeah. Pinpointed touch. I don't like a floaty kind of thing. Like, put your hands on on a part of my body and be specific. I'm good at giving directions. I like um, the soft touch. I like um, soft tickles. That makes me um, melt. Soft and firm. It depends. But mostly it has to be something that I'm expecting. If I'm not Mm. expecting it, I can't enjoy it. I like to be dominated by somebody who knows what they're doing, um, which that's the caveat there because a lot of people think they're doms and they're not. So I do, I do like uh, a little bit of like rough domination sometimes, but like ultimately I think the touch I like the most is like soft and sensual definitely gets me going a lot quicker than um, anything rough. Cause even if I'm going to do some like rough doming, where I'm being submissive and I'm being dominated, I need to start slow and erotic and sensual to get me warmed up. So probably I guess the answer would be like sensual touch is is probably my go-to, my mm-hmm. number one. At the beginning, I prefer lighter. And then as I become more and more aroused, I want more intense. Like if you were to slap my ass right at the beginning, I probably won't like it. But once I'm good and worked up, I would like to be paddled. I, I like all touch, I want to say. And even non-sexual touch I love. That depends on how warmed up I am. So if I'm not very warmed up, um, I like sort of a medium kind of touch, not too light, not too, uh, not too hard. And then as I relax, I can handle some light touch. But once I get good and warm, I can, re- I really like, I really like like amazingly strong touch. I love to get a good spanking. I love to have my nipples pinched and the hotter I get, the more I'm like, yeah, harder. Yeah. You know? Um, I love making out that gets me like really horny. That's like my favorite kind of foreplay. Oh, gentle, sweet, loving touch. A pain is not. My deal. I do not want to get hurt or bruised. My nipples, basically. Not like aggressively touching my nipples, but gently touching my nipples is something that I enjoy most. Holding, I think. Just kind of like spooning or something like that, where like I feel like your arms, your hands or or whatever on me. It just kind of makes me feel secure, I think, in a way. And... I guess if we were talking about just like straight up sex, 
I'm not, I don't, I guess I don't really know. I have a lot to kind of figure out about sex. I had a lot, a lot of stuff I was holding on to, a lot of ideas and things that I don't think were the greatest yeah. for somebody, you know, and so I'm still trying to figure that out. I loved being snuggled. Mm-hmm. I, I loved um, my back to the person and just being scooped up. I hate to say it, but I kind of like all of it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> soft and gentle, aggressive and hair pulling, biting, um, flicking, not spanking. It's funny we joke about that. We're like, yeah, I don't think we're into spanking. And so we'll, that's like a, a, this running joke. We'll, we'll say, hmm, spanking? Nah, I'm still on the fence on that. Um, but it's, you know, anything with her, is, I'm up for it. I'm up for trying it and reporting back. I think the closest we come in, in this union of sex is her on top of me with a vibrator in between us. Mm. And I can, I can control my orgasms. I can kind of hold off and wait. It's much harder for her to have an orgasm so I can hold off. And then when I can tell she's about to orgasm, then I will allow myself to orgasm. And it's, it's beautiful. And it's, they're screaming and yelling and pulling each other close. And it's just as beautiful. It's a little (laughs) porn. You know, it's pretty amazing. (laughs) Can it be kissing? Absolutely. It can be anything. (laughs) But I really do enjoy being like kissed, like all over. That depends. Um, Really, I feel like it probably depends on where I am hormonally in my cycle and where I am in the sex process. Because sometimes I need it gentle to start and then I want to get it harder to go. So it really is is just kind of dependent on um, how I'm feeling. And, and, you know, sometimes I want like hard, rough, and sometimes I want it softer. You know, it really depends on my mood. Lately, I have found myself really wanting the aggressive, put your fingers in my hair and just lay one on me, pin me against the wall type of touch. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes I just want you to run your fingers up and down my thigh and down my spine and just be real gentle and kiss my neck, you know? Mm -hmm. It really just depends on, I guess, where I'm at in my life emotionally. And right now I'm feeling very confident. So I need someone to come at me even harder. I like soft touch, but only in areas that don't tickle me. If I get an area where somebody tickles me, I immediately get angry. I like a wide array of touch. I like a soft touch, but then again, I like a rough touch. And I so I like all different kinds of touch, but it just depends on what mood I'm in. You know, I might be like in a let's make love kind of mood. And then I might be in a let's fuck kind of mood. Yeah. (laughs) So it just depends on what mood I'm in. And my husband reads that very well. So he knows what kind of touch I'm into at the moment. Grabby, like more like there's no other word that I can use than grabby. (laughs) Uh Soft is good, but the most I enjoy the most is when I feel like compressed, like someone just like is trying to like squish you. Mm. In in a loving way. I guess the kind of touch would be alternating touch. Mm. Because I love really soft, 
tender, sensual touch that's very light. Um, but I also love really rough, hard, scratching, leaving marks, being thrown about kind of touch. What I don't like is too much of either. Slow touch. And I've often thought if I were to like give advice to straight men, like any sex advice, it would be whatever you're doing, just slow it down a little bit. Whatever it is, it doesn't even matter. I'm a touch junkie. I love all the touch. <laughs> all the touch. I want it all. Um, in addition to being a touch junkie, I'm an intensity junkie with sex. And so I love it. Like if I had to say I always want this kind of touch, I want something that's super intense, like with impact. Mm-hmm. So like biting or like spanking, hitting or something like that. But then I wouldn't actually want sex to only be that. Um, I certainly like gentle touch, but I, I like a little bit of a firm hand in the right time, in the right place. Uh, I like to play with a little bit of um, bondage and uh, I enjoy good press up against the, the wall. Oh, this like light, almost ticklish touch. And then my partner and I, my previous, this previous partner and I explored using, um, it's called a vampire glove where it's like this glove that has kind of like these spikes on it. And so we played around with using that and, Oh, that was like amazing. (laughs) There's something with my neck. I don't understand what it is, but he does this thing where he'll just like kiss me right on the back of my neck. Like, ah, yes, that that's like my go button. I want to say like non-sexual touch, but just like hands grazing against my body or just very softly touching me wherever, anywhere is great. But at the same time, I also like aggressive stuff. So it's like most of the time I want to say just anything that's soft. Um, well, specifically my waist. And I don't like it to be gentle because I'm very ticklish and I don't like to feel tickled. So I like it more like not aggressive, but more like you're holding me. Like I could feel you holding me and I just like ticklish. You know, I don't like to be tickled at all. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, 
I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you. Whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener, I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. My turn. My favorite kind of touch is feather light touch anywhere on my body. It actually takes me back to the moment I discovered that touch, long before I had any idea what to do about it. I was sitting in my freshman biology class in high school. There was a boy I liked who sat near the front by the windows, so I could gaze at him without arousing too much suspicion. One day, I was wearing a V-neck shirt, and while I was thinking about how to do, I don't know, description of dissecting a frog or something, probably. I was fiddling with my pencil. It drifted down to the skin exposed by the v-neck, and I started very gently rubbing the eraser against my skin. I hadn't ever felt anything like that before. I'd been masturbating for a couple of years by then, but the thrill of orgasm was totally different from the butterflies that ignited when that eraser brushed ever so gently against my décolletage. Ever since, I've been a sucker for that type of whisper-soft touch against my skin. And if you have a feather, oh, 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 Lord, oh, Lord. Interestingly, it's also a good indicator of how safe I'm feeling in any given moment. If I'm in a good space with my partner and feeling safe, that touch will light me up like nothing else. If I'm feeling distrustful or scared with a sexual partner, I can't stand the featherlight touch. It sets off all my alarm bells ringing, and all I want to do is lash out at the other person and scratch my own skin to get rid of the feeling. Speaking of wanting to lash out and scratch someone's eyes out, let's get to this week's podcast recommendation. Okay, that might not have been the best segue, but it'll make sense in a minute. Back in 2016, I was grieving the loss of my mother, and I wasn't reading much. I had always been a voracious reader before that, but I'd lost my appetite for it as I swam through the well of sadness. But there was one subject that caught my attention and very quickly turned into a new obsession. Memoirs of people who had been indoctrinated into cults and then found their way out. 
I read every story I could get my hands on from former members of Scientology and the FLDS, which is the fundamentalist sect of Mormonism whose quote-unquote prophet is the notorious Warren Jeffs. I couldn't get enough. And I was puzzled, really and truly puzzled. Why the hell was I so fascinated by these stories of people who had been brainwashed, discovered that the teachings no longer worked for them, and then found the internal strength to leave? Why was I so obsessed? At the end of 2016, horrifically triggered by the election to United States president of a man who had brazenly admitted to sexually assaulting women, I started seeing an amazing therapist named Susan. She helped me pull apart the pieces. The election had horrified me, not just because of the sexual predation, though that would have been more than enough on its own, but also because watching Trump on television reminds me intensely of my father. My dad was much smarter But the behaviors are all the same. Saying something one day and then claiming the next that he never said any such thing. Telling me that I had said things I hadn't, believed things I didn't, and acted in ways that I hadn't. And treating me, his daughter, as a sexual being rather than an off-limits person. Remember the picture of Ivanka sitting on Trump's lap? or him saying that if she weren't his daughter, he'd be dating her. My dad did it very differently, but the base instinct was the same. That's when the pieces clicked in for me. My father had brainwashed me. He had convinced me of all the things I then took as gospel. I was fat. I was ugly. I was unlovable. No one would ever value me. I needed to justify and defend any shred of self-worth or self-dignity I had, and so much more. The reason I was so entranced by these memoirs of ex-cultists is that I was teaching my brain that it was possible to become unbrainwashed. And because I was listening to stories of people whose situations were so much more extreme than my own, my brain was able to hold on to the possibility that maybe I could do it too. It's hardly a coincidence that my journey into sexual healing came so quickly on the heels of naming the gaslighting and the brainwashing I experienced with my dad. Those memoirs provided a lifeline for me, and honestly, I'm still fascinated. I watched every episode of Leah Remini's Scientology series on A&E, and I've been devouring the recent HBO series about Nexium. I'm actually feeling the pull to read some more of these memoirs, which suggests to me that I may be headed into another period of unlearning. Now, I'm telling you all of this to explain why I'm so, 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 so excited to discover this week's podcast recommendation, Two Sisters and a Cult. In the show, Jada and Alicia talk about their own experience of growing up in a cult and discuss all things cult-related. Here's a clip. 
So Jada, what are some other things that were a bit culty about the camp? They taught you only things that would help you to, uh, what do you call it, meet expectations that they had of you. Basically, mm-hmm. you had no skills to survive off the grounds. 18-month program, originally, it would always turn into a much longer time period. For us, it was 10 years. For other people, it was five. For some, it was 20. I think the reason for that is this idea, and this is like why I consider it a cult, is that they didn't teach you or enable you to live on your own. It was very Mm -hmm. reliant on them for all direction, for all information from God or otherwise, Mm -hmm. and for all life choices. Like You were only reliant on them to make the next step in your life, which that's cult 101. Remember how we weren't allowed to have phones or any internet access or talk to people who were not on an approved list? <laughs> there was a really abusive atmosphere, not mm-hmm. just psychologically. A lot of kids got hit by someone who was not their parent. And a lot of kids only got hit by their parents, but their parents would go just buck wild on them so that nobody would think they were being too nice or too lax or, you know. Yeah. Do you feel that that's changed your approach on how you're a parent? Oh my God, absolutely. Um, we we tried spanking. It's it's not going to work for us. Mm-hmm. Never has. So we don't do that anymore. Um, we talk a lot about why things happen when they happen and um, how to deal with them next time. And if that doesn't work for you, we'll, we'll try to figure something else out. That was Two Sisters and a Cult, which you can find on all the major podcast platforms. And by the way, I mispronounced Alicia's name in the intro. Sorry about that, Alicia. If you have any unlearning to do, which I'm inclined to think we all do, given how strong our cultural conditioning is, I highly recommend diving into their show and starting to draw your own connections about ways you've been indoctrinated and what it looks like to question the things you've always accepted as obvious reality. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720 Good Sex. 
Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. Hold up. 